what can schools do to remain relevant in the future so the first thing i would uh, i'm going to sound a little sacrilegious but i think the first thing that one needs to do is break the perceived formula of what school needs to be to people i mean if i have to spend 7 to 8 hours of every day 5 days a week maybe 6 days a week in school then it better be giving me a lot more than abc hmm. so like i said earlier it needs to go beyond just career fulfillment hmm. it has to embrace development as far as life is concerned i mean mm. I, you know getting into the minor into the in the micro details would be very time consuming but i think you get my drift yeah it's yeah. not just about am i prepping for arts or commerce or science it's i'm prepping for life you're listening to ed talk with anuj a podcast that takes you back to school to understand how far we all have come and the future we're all headed towards my name is anuj and this is my attempt to explore the evolution of the indian education system through the lens of people from various walks of life happy listening hello and welcome back to ed talk with anuj one of the most difficult questions i get asked is what do you do it's never a one line answer there are things that i do which help me pursue the other things that i do and i enjoy each one of them i have fun with my profession and with my hobbies and from morning to evening of every day my mind hops skips and jumps through various interests and skill sets which is why i guess i've never been able to have a linear idea of success I've always defined it as pursuing that which your heart desires come what may no matter what the hardship no matter what challenges or struggles lie in your path to be able to identify what interests you and pursue it with focus and discipline is perhaps the secret to success or better yet happiness and i say this cognizant of my level of privilege or any form of comforts that i come from but i guess that choice is available to each one of us and we approach that path in in our own way to the best of our abilities but i often find myself relating to or connecting with people who share this mindset in fact there are numerous people in my life that i look up to and admire and enjoy associating with for their relentless pursuit of joy not money not fame just pure joy they find it in their professions the hobbies they engage in or in the smallest of acts through the day it always makes for engaging conversation because from that pursuit of joy emerge ideas and productive progressive thought and a sense of contentment and positivity and one of these people i'm grateful to call a friend and a member of the creative fraternity is my guest on today's episode he's one of those that cannot be slotted into a single box from music to theater to radio to events to travel he has done it all and more and continues to explore experiment and evolve so with me on today's episode of ed talk with anuj is the wonderful and iconic brian tellis brian welcome to the podcast thank you so much for taking time out and being here Hey Anuj thanks for inviting me man my privilege i talk too much for my age and size anyway so oh, might as well talk all the good things <laughs> <laughs> happy to put it to some use good or bad no. i don't know no no absolutely i'm 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 looking forward to how this is going to unfold but um, you know you you uh, tell us like it is you tell everyone like <laughs> it is and um really i mean I, we haven't gotten a chance to work directly together we've always been you know associated via the industry and then you know we've established a relationship there um and over the years i have of course watched you on various platforms uh, you know you can never be slotted in a box or or a, or a single label that this is what brian does you know he's of course the bandra boy uh, you can see him riding on his bike across uh, the streets of bandra and there's so many milestones that you have accomplished uh, you you've crossed from your own band to a stint in aviation which i was surprised to come across and then to theater to anchoring and then becoming an, a successful event planner then iconic rj acting in a disney musical no less um running you know some of the biggest music festivals in india and 
where did it all begin what did you want to become as a child well you know i'm going to be brutally honest like i normally am huh. uh, when i was a kid i hadn't thought life through okay i was just living by the day i just simplistically speaking honestly anuj wanted to do things i enjoyed okay uh, and when i was growing up the things i enjoyed was sport was music was theater and uh, a few other unmentionables which we will leave out uh, of the discussion uh-huh. uh but i you know i just focused on doing things i loved as a kid uh though i must admit at one point in time uh, in my life you know the music needle was stuck really deep in my veins and uh, hasn't come out to date and so you know one of the things that i softly nursed was to be a rock star okay mm-hmm. i hadn't defined what that rock star would be but i wanted to be a rock star and importantly and i think this has been really the underlying sentiment in my life is chasing happiness so so that is something whether i did it overtly with strong intent or just did it i knew that i wanted to do the things i loved and enjoyed and in the process be happy so i mean that's those really were my sentiments growing up i did things i loved sometimes they conformed to to societal expectations i think very often they didn't conform mm. to expectations but it didn't really bother me i i wasn't trying to be a rebel honestly but i was just being me and uh, and enjoyed being me so yeah i mean that's pretty much it was an uncluttered mind that i had as a kid go out there do the things you love enjoy doing what you do wow i mean it's it's a beautiful thought and it's so simple chasing happiness uh what were what were people around you or kids around you or society around you at that time chasing um while you were chasing happiness you know uh, various people chased you know various areas i obviously in my school had a lot of colleagues friends Uh, some of them wanted to be the best in sport because that was the culture of the day where mm. i grew up some of them wanted to be very strong in academics and become you know whether they were engineers or doctors or pilots and uh, pilots was the fashionable thing to yeah. become <laughs> uh, because you travel the world and you know at that point in time you worked with a multinational it was big shit yeah. i work with a multinational you know i mean it was mnc a, mnc it was a, it was a huge tag you know so i think you know to answer your question uh, friends around me chased various kind of objectives if you want uh, i was one of the people who lagged behind to be honest when it came to academics because uh, i was not and i don't want to sound any less intelligent if i might indulge myself a little bit Mm-hmm. but i was uh, i was not a big fan of of academics while i was in school uh but the friends around me you know we had some really really strong uh people strong in academics people strong in sports some of them were really strong in the arts so mm-hmm. there was a whole mix of people and the beautiful thing about our education or our society then was it encouraged all of these things so it was lovely i have you know i have a lot of stories to tell about institutions outside of school that actually ran little theater competitions and little singing competitions instrumental and vocal mm. uh, you know choir competitions and so you indulged and participated in all of these things and you found yourself wow which was beautiful really was beautiful and that sense of competition that is so heightened today uh in today's educational setup uh, was it a lot easier then like you were saying that you know you were just allowed to explore yes you were there was competition you know mm. make no mistake about it the 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 system i just spoke to you about the performing arts was a competition mm. so mm. you know there was no room for second best you won or you didn't there mm. was no second and third and fourth yes there mm. was but uh, it didn't matter you either won or you didn't right. even in sport the same thing applied i mean i played pretty aggressive uh, hockey at one time in school and i have a couple of uh, classmates who went on to represent the country actually uh, mm. but you know again even while playing hockey or football or played a little bit of cricket as well at a competitive level 
there was no room to lose. Of course, cricket, we got thrashed yeah. all the time. In, <laughs> in hockey and football, we managed to fare a little better. Wow. But, but yeah, so there was competition. Hmm. But, you know, the idea was while everyone wanted to win, we also enjoyed indulging in that activity. Mm. Whether it was the arts or whether it was sports. And I think that makes a difference to your approach. Mm. To be able to separate the process from the goal uh, right. or the end result, um, do you think that makes a big difference? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the result is always important, mm. but it cannot and should not compromise the process. Mm. And if you follow the process, sometimes the results become academic. It's important to follow the process because that is really what forms you. You know, winning and losing sometimes is not just something you bring to the table. It depends on what other people, who are the other people around you who are competing and what is their level of diligence, their level of competence and things like that. So you can't always control whether you win or lose, but you can certainly control the effort and the intent that goes into it. And that's where I'm coming from. What a wonderful perspective. Thank you. How was how was uh, atmosphere at home with parents and their expectations or, or you know, people around you in your immediate circle? Uh, I was very fortunate, actually. My, uh, my father and my mother were very, very simple folk. Simple mm. in every sense of the term. So to them, you know, life was about being together, having you know, as many meals sitting around the table together, uh, actually establishing a set of values which go way beyond, you know, money and things like that. Hmm. Uh, it was relationship-based. So I was very fortunate. And yes, of course, yes, of course, they expected you to do certain things. And when I was growing up, there was a really funny thing. Uh, let's say college. You know, it was... It was common you know kind of perception that science was for the nerds <laughs> uh, arts was for the ladies and so i very cleverly didn't belong to either one of those right uh, so i chose commerce now how intelligent was that decision yeah oh yeah i chose commerce because i wasn't a nerd and i wasn't a lady for sure so i i decided to do commerce i mean you know so there were many misconceptions if i were to think it yeah. all over again i would have chosen arts but coming back to the question that you posed at me, I think my parents allowed for me to do what floated my boat, to do what made me happy. Of course, uh, there's a story actually, hmm. uh, which I must talk about. My father, he was, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of be brutally honest, like I said at the top of the chat, that I, I had actually had the, I was the last batch of the old course. That was the, the SSE, which was the 11, 11 standard, right. 11 plus 4. and. Uh, I had the unique distinction with a whole load of other colleagues in school of failing. And I mm. don't do things in half measure. So, you know, I did seven subjects and decided not to fail in one. I failed in three. So if you're doing something, <laughs> do it well. If you're failing, fail well. <laughs> so I failed in three. And I'll never forget my father sat me down and, you know, he, he actually shed tears and he said, you know, why don't you be like so-and-so, another boy in the building? You know, he's good at sport because I was reasonably good at sport. He said, he's good at sport and he's good at academics as well. Mm. And apparently, and we talked about this and laughed about it and he shed a few tears about it till he passed, where I apparently told him, not so eloquently, but I told him I'll never be so-and-so because I'm Brian. And hopefully one day you'll be proud of Brian and not so-and-so. Oh. So, oh. so he says, okay? And I've <laughs> got to believe him because I was pretty overwhelmed. Uh, at that point, as you might imagine, but if I can salvage a, a bit of my, uh, you know, a, a bit of my credibility, I went on in what they call the allowed to keep terms or the ATKT. I went on to hmm. to get a first class in six months. Wow! So yes, I didn't do too badly on the rebound. I didn't do too badly, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, so they didn't put any additional pressure. Such they just they just wanted me to or wanted me and my sibling, my sister, to just do what kind of floated our boat. And that, so that was great. That's that's so relieving in a way, you know, when when you know that uh, the, the, there's no sword hang, hanging over your head that you've got to secure this this rank or this distinction or get this kind of a job. So then, who were your influences in the career you chose, or 
you began with aviation really i mean after after you completed yeah. your education yeah but, I, I, yeah sorry go ahead no no but, but i was saying that that little dream of the rock star of becoming the rock star and then that the music that you pursued the creatives that you pursued um, who do you remember as as your as a towering influence i don't believe there was any one person but you know what i continued to do even while i worked when i worked i love travel so that's how i chose my profession mm. and that's uh, that's how i chose aviation you know the airline business so because i got to travel and i did a fair bit of travel but i think one of the clever things that i did while growing up was i kept my passions alive so even while i was in a sense working mm. with uh, with with an airline or airlines i kept theater alive i kept music alive uh, i kept my uh, travel alive i kept motorcycling as you call yeah. out alive <laughs> i kept all of these indulgences alive obviously one has to kind of uh, how should i say weigh the pros and cons and kind of work within prescribed time limits mm. whether it was anchoring shows and things so the, i think where i did myself a huge favor was while i was in a job as we call it which is also fortunately for me something i enjoyed mm. i kept my passions alive mm. and it's funny how when you keep passions alive how kind of you know energies kind of come together yep and i don't want to sound overly profound or deep because it isn't all i'm saying is that when you keep passions alive opportunities come your way and then of course you've got to make the decisions the do's and the don'ts or the should and the shouldn'ts and mm. and take life forward but if you keep what floats your boat if you keep what makes you happy a part of your life hey never a dull day and that has nothing to do with money that has nothing to do with what your um, you know passion often nowadays there is a confusion between Uh, passion and career or you know your your the job that you do you could be passionate about it that's fine but it doesn't always have to be uh, the job that you do uh, you you often don't make money out of a passion you just pursue it for a creative satisfaction or to just quench your thirst of yeah i have a big debate on this one actually mm-hmm. a big debate uh, i will agree to the extent that not all passion points could lead to sustainability right but i think you can pursue your passion and work in that ecosystem mm. and still earn your money maybe i mm. wanted to be a singer maybe mm. i wanted to be an actor as a professional mm. maybe there were no opportunities to earn a living as you rightly said but could i then be involved as an experiential planner mm. and be close enough to areas that i love and still earn a living out of mm. so you know there is an ecosystem it i might not have become a rock star personally yeah or, or earned a living out of singing or acting but hey you know what i lived in that ecosystem i chose you know a certain path in that ecosystem and uh, you're looking at a happy me <laughs> many decades later but yeah so i believe that there is scope to actually follow your passion i think it's a misconception and it mm. puts people certainly in today's day and time in day and age in today's day and age there's even more of an opportunity to chase your passion and earn a living out of it right and, and if i might sound a bit philosophical how important is money mm. in the happiness quotient mm. i mean i know i'm sure you do as well there are a whole lot of people who have more money than they know they have and i dare say they're not happy yeah and there's the other end as well there are people who maybe don't have as much money as they would like to have mm. but they're happy mm. uh, and you know of course there's no there's no fixed formula yeah it's yeah. it's a state of mind happiness is a state of mind so uh, it's about it's about choosing your path it's about prioritizing what you wish to be and who you wish to be mm. you know if you want success or happiness to be defined by the neighbor or society hey that's your choice mm. but if you define what in your books is happiness or what in your books is success i think there's a story there i really do believe beautiful it's the stories that make us yeah isn't it isn't yeah. it just let me take you back to school once again now you weren't very good at academics but you managed to you know get through with with the first class um uh, and i relate to that because as a child i was never drawn to academics i was always drawn to the arts i was always drawn to the stage to 
to the lights and uh put me in a classroom and i'd just struggle with subjects so my academic record is pre- pre- nothing to speak of really join the club i'm the president <laughs> my dad's the principal of my school <laughs> but there is a school that we pass out of then we get into the school of life what was the syllabus of your school of life So this is something that's really close to my heart it's a really pertinent question in my life you know my dad would always say to me may not be as you know eloquently as i am just about to say it but he'd always say that there are two types of learnings or academics there's a certain kind of academics that you wear on your visiting card and there is a certain kind of academics that doesn't have uh you know alphabets that you can put on your visiting card and that is life and he always told me to be a student of life and for life and it stuck with me it's really one of the 10 principles that i try and remind myself of every once in a while it's be a student of life and for life and he'd always encourage me to to have conversations with the house help have conversations with the rickshaw driver or the taxi driver or the security guard because he said that you will learn things from them because their conversations are a in inverted commas real and secondly they are not curated they speak from their heart so he'd always always encourage us to kind of have these unconventional chats and actually be a good listener not just hear people but listen to people so i'm a big big believer of being a student of life and for life and not for a moment do i want to take away from conventional academics which you wear on your visiting card but mm. i believe that's that's only the beginning of your learning curve it starts with that it points you in a certain direction it maybe gives you access or a foot in certain doors that are hopefully well chosen and thought through and then it's life that you have to handle mm. and to handle life you need to learn from it uh i don't want to be, i don't want, don't wish to sound any deeper than i'm trying to no no this is this is uh, this is brilliant because is this something that you look for in people who you associate with who you have uh, hired often you know to work with as part of your team uh, because there is the value of it begins with chasing happiness and then being a student of life and for life that reflects across the work culture that you know in in the teams that you've uh, led what do you look for so i i look to learn all the time and one of the areas of learning is i'm huge on reading whether they are biographies or autobiographies of people that i uh, that i look up to and they're not necessarily people who are known for the good they've done hmm. it could be people so i've read the book on hitler i've read a book on prabhakaran i've read a book on a whole load of other people sama bin laden hmm. and what intrigues me about those people is for them to do what they did good bad ugly i'm not getting there mm, mm. called for a certain conviction called for a certain commitment to what they did mm. so what is it that drove them what is it that fueled their determination of course on a scale of 10 that may be one mm. you know nine out of the 10 books i read are about people who have made a positive difference to the world mm, mm. so i'm a big reader of autobiographies and biographies of people i admire uh the other thing is i i kind of when i meet with people what do i look i look i look for a vibe again i don't wish to sound <laughs> any weirder than i will but i think you know i could have a one hour con- uh, anuj you're a case in point mm. as you rightly said we don't meet very often right but mm. Mm. i'd like to believe when we talk there is a there is a genuineness there is you know, we might speak for 2 minutes mm. but we've truly exchanged sentiments yes yeah and we could sit for an hour like we are doing today yeah and we could share notes and they are as uplifting as the 2 minutes that we spent mm, yeah. uh, and that's a vibe uh, mm, it mm. you know it's not curated it can't be curated it comes from two honest communicators right yes who are really exchanging thoughts and exchanging notes yes. and i dig that man i love that i really yeah. dig that i love that mm. so i i try not to I try to spend as much time with people that I enjoy being around rather than conform to being around people that I don't enjoy being around and no condescension here please don't read mm-hmm. condescension absolutely absolutely uh, so, you know to each their own 
but it I, is an exchange of values uh yeah it is well. values yeah. ideas you know i mean you can draw inspiration uh from people you know in mm. the in the in the pandemic i've been i have a little balcony mm. a really tiny piece uh of real estate that to me is the most precious especially in the last 18 months or thereabouts yeah. so i'd sit with you know the cup of coffee or whatever else and and look out and you know you you kind of realize the world around you never before have you appreciated people have i appreciated priorities have i appreciated people you look around and you see people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from right yeah you stop feeling sorry for yourself man look at that yeah. person out there on the street and and in in a few cases the person is smiling you look around yeah. you and you know <laughs> i i live off the the sea face mm-hmm. at bandra bandstand so you know one can see a bit of the shore and one can see a whole lot of birds and green and water and i've never appreciated nature as much as i've appreciated in the 18 months gone by simple things right yeah simple things i mean you know sound like a school teacher but so by so be it uh so you know coming back it's about it's it, the same applies with people it's about it's about appreciating in people stuff that you can learn from them rather than you know kind of thrust down their throat mm. your opinion mm. of course if they ask for your opinion share it share it plainly mm. mm. So this is something that really kind of you know floats my boat makes right. life a whole lot of fun for me. Right. And there's a lot that you have learned and because I mean I've I've of course heard you over the years as 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 an RJ with Telus like it is and you know the music uh, that that you have brought to, to to listeners and to viewers you've brought in a lot of learnings where the music that you have been exposed to it's really shaped your life. uh whether it's the words whether it was the journey of the artists themselves music has constantly been that um or, or should i say a huge chapter in your syllabus in the school of life yeah it can yeah absolutely well said and it continues it continues to be hmm. uh, fortunately i have uh, i've been a music lover that actually follow, follows lyrics as hmm. well hmm. i believe i mean it's not rocket science but i believe every singer songwriter or band you know most of them actually yeah write songs where they're telling a story like we spoke about earlier yeah. i mean just to give you a few examples there were festivals like the woodstock festival that spoke about pulling americans out of vietnam you know while in 69 there was another festival called summer of soul that no one talks about which had a whole plethora it happened close to around the time woodstock happened 69 but it was all about you know color appetite it was uh, you know african americans the whole concert mm. Mm. was african americans talking about color discrimination i mean there's the blues the music of the blues that is the the chant of the farmers you know right. while they were earning their earning their living in the fields in the cotton fields and yep. in the yep. various other fields there's reggae again reggae music and rap music rap was a, a, you know a complete protest again right. by the african american you know right. and started there and reggae as well so music goes way beyond the melodics that you hear right music speaks for an era music speaks for an artist's mindset music mm. speaks about stories uh and so uh, fortunately for me uh i've been someone who's followed lyrics as well i'm huge on melody i must admit as well but mm. i for- followed storytellers very very closely mm. Mm. and so yes i am extremely biased uh to to music and to lyrics when it comes to kind of you know looking at inspiration and right. things like that i have a few favorite singer songwriters right uh, whom i listen to because they tell stories very very prominent and pertinent stories so yes i i humbly submit to your accusation that <laughs> i let music kind of uh, influence me a lot because i i've constantly had this thought while because i came into english music very late in life in in literally my teens i grew up on a lot of hindi music and that reflects in a lot of the work that i do but when i came into it i realized that in school when we were sitting and studying you know famous english poets there was yeats and there was oscar wilde or there was you know there were so many writers wordsworth such there was a thought that stayed with me for a long time that maybe if the syllabus or what we study in school upgraded to the music of our times or the music that has shaped our recent history and not going back 200 years uh maybe that would have a better 
impact on young minds with understanding the socio-political cultural world that we are growing up in. Uh, to hear bands, to hear classic rock bands, to hear singer-songwriters, that thought has always been with me that why can't we just bring that as a curriculum into schools and then through those words explain the cultural influences that, that generations have grown up on. It is such a pertinent point you're making. Such a pertinent point. And, uh, you know, you're in the business of education as well and you should mm. adopt that. Mm. Because I so, so resonate with that concept. In mm. fact, I'm in the process of uh, of writing a book, mm. and uh, the you know the the objective is to actually encourage people to chase their dream. In fact, the right. work the working title is hashtag chase that dream. Ah. And I dwell on certain things in the book, you know, some of it reflecting on my personal journey that I'm talking about today. But the thought is, and every time I'm thinking of a certain point, my mind automatically goes back to a lyric that was written by, let's say, John Lennon's Imagine. Mm. You know, imagine there's no heaven, mm. right? Imagine this, imagine that. Uh, where it's a world that's neutral to you, be it your color of skin or be it the money or the lack of it or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Or American Pie, a song that told the story of, you know, Don McLean's, uh, you know, take on the whole scene at that time. Yep. Or Blowing in the Wind by Bob Dylan, another yep. incredible poet. Oh, yeah. Incredible yeah. poet, you know. So, I mean, uh, the, the thing that I'm really putting across to you is really validating what you said earlier. That if music re resonates deeply with us, which it does with most people, yeah. irrespective of whether you can be a musician and singer, I think yeah. most people appreciate it. You know, it's a great way to educate people. I don't know whether it can... I suspect it can't replace conventional education. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It can put in place a whole load of off the off the prescribed academics learning. Yep. You know what I mean? You yep. know, lessons of life mm. can come through music, can come through uh, lyrics, right? You know, things like that. Because if I'm if I'm uh, bringing a value addition, as in understanding contemporary music or understanding classic rock understanding the writing of it, uh, it is not just a commentary on on the social uh, scenario at that time and then, you know, as how politics has progressed and how it's governing our life all the more today, amplified by social media. It is also helping children at a very young age to express their thoughts in a singer-songwriter style, um, to get about a rhythm of expression. And that's something that I see lacking so much. The the rhythm of communication. I mean, you being a communicator, someone who has, you know, communicated standing on some of the biggest stages around uh, and, and being someone who has been a student of music, the rhythm of communication directly refines, uh, you know, has a huge refining influence on life itself. It certainly does. It's, it, it, firstly, it helps you find yourself. Yep. It helps you find yourself and then it helps you find relevance you know, where you can place yourself in this ecosystem that we call the world around us. Mm. So, and it, you know, I want to go one further. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept that you've brought out. It's not just music. It could be theater. It could be dance. It's performing arts, which mm. gives rise mm. to the, to the real person in you. Yep. Unfortunately, sometimes we try to be who we are not. Mm. We try to be who we are not. We really need to focus on who we are. Right. I always recommend to people do a bit of a SWOT analysis on who you are. You know, in school, that was one of my pet peeves that we didn't have any kind of uh, anyone help us. Okay, there are stylish terms like SWOT analysis and all yeah, that. Yeah. But just someone who would help you figure who you truly are. Where are your strengths? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Yeah. And how can you build on your strengths? How can you overcome your weaknesses? Simple things. Then career counseling. I do understand the importance of of a career and of, you know, doing something that will, you know, create this, bring food on the table. Mm. It's a cycle, actually. What is it? It's me giving off my talent and earning something to keep the food on the table. Right. It's an ecosystem. Yeah. Sometimes we get obsessed with one or the other mm. and it distracts us completely 
from what we are calling happiness. I get obsessed with food or I get obsessed with my career or I get obsessed with someone around me. And yeah. it just takes me away from that neutrality. It takes me away from enjoying life. Oh. You know, so this is something that we have to really, and it was my pet peeve in school. No one spent time actually helping me discover who I was. I did it much later. And mm. then with a vengeance decided to fuel my passions. And I still continue to this day. I mean, I'm in the process of rediscovering myself even as we speak. And that's beautiful. How has that translated into the education that your children have received, uh, not just from their school, but from you as a father who has, whose foundation is chasing happiness and then who has not come up the conventional way? How has that translated into your parenting? So, you know, I mean, I think both me and my wife have basically allowed for them to be who they are. Uh, mm. Exactly what I said earlier, we've triggered certain opportunities for them which allow for them to figure who they really are. Both my sons are very keen sportsmen. Uh, mm. One is now a musician and they run a school uh, for vocal training, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, the other guy loves, you know, the other art forms of photography and filmmaking. And so he's pursuing that. So they went to school, they continue to play sport. Uh, not at the competitive, competitive level, but they continue to play sport. Uh, they continue to do other areas which are passion-driven and they're hoping to make their career or have made their career. Mm. Uh, we encourage them to do that. Give it a shot. Mm. Uh, you know, there's what... I, but we always say, if you do something you love doing, there's never a day at work. Yeah. And so it becomes a pleasure. Yeah. You know, it becomes a pleasure. And I always believe that if you're enjoying what you do, the rest follows be it sustainability slash money, mm. be it uh, that smile on your proverbial smile on your heart and smile mm. on your face. Mm. All of that happens as a as a natural kind of, you know, fallout of doing things you like, hanging out with people, you know, whom you enjoy being around. Mm. Mm. I think, like I said, vibrations, you know, it's karma. You yeah. put out a good vibration, you attract good vibrations right back at you. Right. And it's worked for me. I mean, I, I'm someone, uh, you know, who's an example in my books, at least I'm an example of that. I may not have what X or Y or Z has by way of uh, physical assets or whatever else, money and mm. whatever, but hey, <laughs> I'm not going to take too much of that, if at all, anything into that six footer that yep. one day I will go into. Yeah. So hey, you know, why let it obsess me? Of course, you know, mm. I have my moments when I succumb to uh, to ambition and and things like that. So let me not sound like a complete preacher man. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I fight that I fight that battle every day including today but I let the boys do their thing I have two sons and they're pretty much doing their thing the, the thing is to understand that you might be doing what you love and so there's never a day at work but also understand that there are no free lunches right you know you've got to put shoulder to wheel and yeah. actually drive that right. right so it doesn't it doesn't negate hard work I, I'd go one further and say, you know, clever work. Mm. I do believe sometimes if we are clever about who we are and how we approach life, to a large extent, you can eliminate the word hard work. It's clever work. Work smart or work clever smart. work. Yeah, yeah. work smart. Yeah, work smart yeah. is the conventional way to say mm. it. Mm. Work smart, you might still have to work hard, but working smart eliminates a level of working hard for sure. Wow. Brian, you've shared stage with some of the biggest musicians in the world. I, I'm sure that's been your graduation or after graduation again, you know, that, hey, I, I got to spend a little time with, with this musician or this accomplished artist. What have your learnings been from their lives? Oh, well, there are some incredible, there are some incredible stories. I mean, so, you know, for instance, doing the blues, we've had the privilege of uh, spending time with, let's say, Buddy Guy. Mm. Mm. And my goodness, I mean, you know, while he certainly knows who he is and what he has accomplished, you talk about being a real person and never cutting off his umbilical cord, there's a classic case. Wow. And he's told us stories about how he grew up in the cotton fields and yeah. how his mother would collect water that came off that piping on the roof uh, oh. for their baths, to bathe them, and sometimes even to cook the food that they ate. 
you know, because water was uh, a precious commodity. Right. And how education or conventional education was uh, <laughs> was just on the wish list. And how they learned through life. You mm. know, there were mm. no MBAs and PhDs and whatever else. Uh, these are guys who learned from, as you said, learned from life. Right. So he's got some great stories to tell, at least in, you know, in our experience. And I'm actually, like I said, I'm a bit of a sports nerd as well, mm. to mm. say the least, actually. And uh, I'll never forget a few years back, it was the first, uh, so I'm talking Formula One. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big, big, big Michael Schumacher fan. Oh, and I wow. went to the first night race in Singapore. And uh, we were working with a team. So I had the privilege of having a pass where I could go, you know, kind of to the back, to the motorhomes. Oh. We were working oh, wow. with Force India. Or right. working for right. Force India. Right. And I actually, that's the one damn race that Schumacher, he had just retired the previous year. And he was doing all the races in his red overalls, not racing, but mm-hmm. he was, mm-hmm. you know, in the motorhomes. And that's the one race he didn't turn up to. And I mm. wanted to kick myself. But then I saw Jean Todd, who's one of the, you know, one of the Trinity. Right. Uh, right. And I approached him, you know, and said, you know, whatever. I gave him a bit of background. I said, can I take a couple of minutes off? And he was very gracious. He said, yeah. Now, why I'm telling you this, he told me three or four things about, I told him that I was a huge fan of, you know, of Michael Schumacher. And, you know, I asked him what made Michael who he is, like you're asking. Mm. And he told me three or four things that I'll tell you and that encapsulates a lot of things. So he told me one thing is with Michael, there is no there is no second place and third place, like I said earlier, and that resonated deeply with me. Mm. He said, Michael either wins or he doesn't win. He might nurse a second or third place for a driver's championship and things like that. But right. he's either got the first place or he's lost the race. Right. The second thing is he knows every inch, I quote Jean Todd, he knew every inch of all the 2021 20, tracks that he raced through the circuit on or through the year on. Wow. He was all, and he said inch perfect, but I think you get my drift. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, you know, he knew the track so well that he could nurse uh, the machine, you know, to its optimum. The third thing he said blew me away, actually. He said, Schumacher, he says, if ever the phrase man and machine becoming one was applicable, it was to Schumacher because he knew the he knew his engine, his machine so well that when he jumped into the car, man and machine became one. Oh. And the fourth thing he told me was uh, his physical, his discipline, especially his dis- mental and physical discipline. You know, obviously there are G fa- G forces when you're driving mm. a car, those speeds. Mm. And he said he'd work for an he'd work for about five to six hours on physical fitness a day, but one hour plus would only be you know, on his neck, shoulders, and uh, you know, yeah, because of yeah, G forces. Yeah. Right. And he said he'd do crazy exercises, like while he was training on G forces, he would think up concepts. So what he was trying to do was alienate or have the mind alienate from the challenges that the body faced. Oh, <laughs> that's like that's, dissociate with it completely. So yeah, it, so wow. the mind could operate irrespective of the challenge the body was facing. Oh wow. That's that's the superhuman ability. I mean and isn't it just you can get there with hard work, with discipline, with rigor. Uh, you can get there. Um I mean while while you were you you're talking about this, I'm thinking back to guitarists and their guitars and you know, musicians with their drums or artists with their paintbrushes and yeah. the man and the machine or the man and the tool becomes one. Becomes one. And that wow. truly is it. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to say a funny old thing. When I read books, mm. uh, the autobiographies I spoke about, or, or if I'm watching a, a Netflix series, let's say Last Dance on Michael Jordan, What Drives Us, Dave Grohl, yeah. or whether it is Cradle to Stage, yeah, you understand why these people achieve the levels they do. Yeah. Because they go way beyond what is the prescribed art form or sport. They take it way beyond. Mm. Uh, mm. it's it's a way of life for them. Yeah, It's not, I do sport for a living or I do music for a living. It is, sport is me. Mm, I am it. I yeah. am it. Yeah. And it is me. And then whatever else needs to be done, you know, to propagate that, gets done. Mm. Wow. And that's incredible. Incredible. I mean, I know of, I know of dancers. I know mm. of, uh, you know, like I said, sportsmen. 
Michael mm. Jordan is another classic case in point. But we'll get lost. Yeah. So yeah, you know yeah. that is it actually. It is about it's about living it mm. uh, rather than just making it something that I'm good at or a way right. to earn a living or a way to earn fame. Right. Right. Goes That's transcending to 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 that uh, to the level where yes. you're one with yeah you're one yes. with what you do. Yeah. Who in contemporary traditional Indian context, sport or music uh, today? Uh, could you think of who our young generations could look up to and say, "Hey, this is the person who embodies this, this uh, thought, this drive." Hmm. I mean, there are some. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into the stars because, um, yeah. you know, there are debates. But I know of people who have actually followed their passion and have stuck to what they do best. Hmm. I, I don't know if any na- singular name jumps out at me, but um, let's say an actor like Baman Irani, I have a great respect for him mm, mm. because uh, he's followed his passion right through and he has he has humble beginnings from where he has come, like most other actors do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a name that jumps out at me and I'm, even names like, let's say a Sachin Tendulkar, mm. let's say a name like MS Dhoni. Hmm. I'm choosing cricket because sure. that's a national religion with us. Sure. Uh, but, you know, if you choose cricket, those are names that come out. If there, if it's hockey, field hockey, which was a passion with me, Dhanraj Pelle is a great story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he yeah. comes from seriously, seriously humble beginnings and he is nothing short of iconic today. Yes. And there are many sportsmen, you know, and musicians. Names, I, you know, I think a name that jumps out at me is A.R. Rahman. Mm. I've seen AR play in a small little band at Rangbhavan, playing <laughs> keyboards, you know, and no one knew, mm. obviously knew who he was and certainly didn't know who he would become. And I think he's kind of transformed himself into you know, a name that is not just Indian, a name that is recognized globally. Right. And I respect that because they've lived their passion. I don't know the details of AR's story. Sure. But he's someone that I kind of look up to for having taken his passion and his craft to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, I mean, there are many. Mm-hmm. So going forward now, with all of this, these values that are getting that that are gaining a lot more importance, uh, I'm gonna take you back to school again that when we spoke about conventional education and conventional uh, learning and teaching practices. What can schools do to remain relevant? And I'm asking this as a parent, as someone um, who has, you know, who's had an unconventional life. Right. What can schools do to remain relevant in the future? So the first thing I would, uh, I'm going to sound a little sacrilegious, but I think the first thing that one needs to do is break the perceived formula of what school needs to be to people. I mean, if I have to spend seven to eight hours of every day, five days a week, maybe six days a week in school, then it better be giving me a lot more than ABC. Mm. So like I said earlier, it needs to go beyond just career fulfillment. Mm. It has to embrace development as far as life is concerned. I mean, mm. I, you know, getting into the minor, into the in the micro details would be very time consuming, but I think you get my drift. Yeah, It's yeah. not just about Am I prepping for arts or commerce or science? It's, I'm prepping for life. And so school should have further relevance. We used to have a class called moral science class. Yeah. Uh, we used to have sports, you know, periods of sports. Mm. Mm. Uh, we'd have the annual theater thing. I think that needs to be a lot more uh, embedded in the curriculum, mm. in, the, mm. uh, you know, in the program. Mm. Because that is as educative as my science class or my geometry class or my algebra class right or whatever else craft class we used to have craft but it was condescended toward it was half an hour in the week you know and things like that so i think priorities need to so break the perceived formula i would encourage students to discover themselves so uh, i don't know i don't have a ready answer to how that can happen sure but could there be you know a session once a week, twice a week, thrice a week, I don't know, where kids express themselves and you bring in a counselor Mm. who encourages them to bring that realization out. 
because not everyone has sat at that age and done a mapping of who they are and where their you know strengths lie and weaknesses lie right. they're too right. young for that right but someone needs to encourage them to think and talk about who they are what do they enjoy what don't they enjoy what do they appreciate in others what mm. do they believe others appreciate in them and these are things that bring out their self belief mm. that bring out you know perceptions and realities of who they really are focus on career counseling like i said help kids do that swot analysis and then help them take it from there right uh, it's it's i'm making broad statements no sure sure it it makes sense because human values and life skills because we need to i mean we need to be a, we need to be more sensitive towards ourselves and each other um, what's happening is the uniformity of education uh is is suppressing a lot of the individual expression that uh, children have absolutely and, it's becoming a formulaic you know mm, mm. which uh, which I mean, when you open a newspaper and all you see is is a certain coaching institution celebrating ranks and then there's little passport size photographs of and it's splashed across the newspaper and i, I every time i look at those i wonder what's the guy who you know who goes a mid ranker or or a low <laughs> ranker looking at it and thinking what emotional impact is it having on that child correct correct absolutely who well said probably be a much better musician than all of those passport photos in the newspaper now so let me let me tell you uh, and most people must be doing it i uh, we still have a school group hmm okay of people who all of us obviously who are in class together Uh-huh. and it's a healthy number we are, i give or take we're around 50 plus people right. who are still in touch with each other on a sometimes you know hourly basis right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but certainly on a daily basis and it's amazing when you actually take what you've just said into consideration and and i have nothing against academics let me not give the wrong impression or mm-hmm. against class topping in in academics mm-hmm. but It's amazing to see how many people me included who were considered bad or not good let me put it that way at academics or mm. not class toppers not in the top 10 or uh, or whatever yeah who've actually not done too badly in fact some of them have done really well in life yeah you know uh, it it really is a revelation and and it's these are these are real cases we're not talking you know a concept here we're talking a reality mm. and i I've not done a calculation on numbers and ratios so I won't go there. Sure, sure. But let me but allow me to say that a lot of people who've carved a little happy niche for themselves in life and in the world around them weren't necessary class toppers. That doesn't make class topping a bad thing. Hmm. But that doesn't certainly doesn't make non-class toppers losers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what we need. That's what we need to realize that it's not just about the rank. And this is what I would change in schools mm. to focus on. You know, being in the top ten all the time. Yes, of course. Mm. If you you that's aspiration. If you could be in the top ten, great. But hey, if you're not in the top ten, that doesn't make you a loser or any less of a person. And that is missing. Right. Yeah. That is missing. now with with all of this beautiful journey and i'm sure it's been very fulfilling uh doing all that you have done and you know looking back and then you know every time you you sit in that little balcony of yours and say <laughs> hey look at that milestone i was there on stage with buddy guy i was there at this point in this country or or you know experiencing this would you make these choices all over again for yourself in the blink of an eye <laughs> in what the... would you change <laughs> that's a tough that's a toughest question you asked you asked me in this conversation what would i change i wouldn't change too much honestly mm. i wouldn't mm. change too much because again i'm going to sound cliched but you know the joy is in the journey it's not necessarily in the right in the destinations right it's in the journey it's about rediscover right now i'm going through a phase where i'm rediscovering myself and i wouldn't give it up for anything it's coming from from areas that were challenging it's coming from it, whether it was pandemic or stuff that happened around the pandemic or whatever else there are mm. challenges mm. but you can look at it you know you can look at it as a you know a period of trial and tribulation which it is yeah. but hey 
you can look at it as a challenge where I'm going to come out of this one as well. It's boys to men time. You know, there's a beautiful mm-hmm. acronym, F-E-A-R, fear. Yeah. That says, you know, if you use it as an acronym, it could stand for forget everything and run. Or it could stand for face everything and rise. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, and you know, so you could treat fear in two different ways. And obviously, the latter is the way to go. Easier said than done, but it is the way to go. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. That's right. And that's the choice that can do so much. I mean, that makes two roads diverged right? in, a, in a wood. <laughs> that's, that makes all the difference, yeah. right? I mean, we all know the cliches of there's no success without failures, blah, blah, blah. And this is what epitomizes that, right? I mean, you know, challenges, they will always be. Mm. But it just depends on your attitude and your approach towards challenges. You know, you're going to take it as yet another hurdle to cross. So I become more of a man. I become more accomplished. I become a stronger human. Mm. I become more empathetic. I become more astute. You know, I'll be a wiser person once Mm. I've overcome this. Mm. These are all positive ways to look at it, you know, and uh, and I'm a big propagator. So to answer your question, I, I really don't know if I would change anything. Mm. Uh, I'm sure if I deep dive into it, there will be a few things that I might have done or might do differently, but I, mm. it doesn't come to mind at the moment. Yeah, you might tweak, but not change. So, yeah, so that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful place to be. I enjoy the, I, I to an extent, and I, I don't know if I'm asking for punishment, but <laughs> I, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy exploring the unknown. Right. I enjoy not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Mm. And prepping myself for what might come my way tomorrow, positive wow. or otherwise. Wow. I kind of enjoy that sense of, I, I love the knot in the tummy, right? I mm. always say to myself when I'm on, st- I love the lights, mm. as I'm sure you do, Anuj. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's a magic every time you stand under the lights. And oh, yeah. I sometimes tell myself, whether it's theater or anchoring or singing or whatever else it is, it could be even doing a lecture or two. That if I don't feel that knot in my tummy before I hit the light, yeah, I need to spend some time with myself and introspect why. Yeah, um, because it, I feel when you have that knot in your tummy, you're aware that things could, you know, kind of go various ways. Mm, you need mm. to be prepped for it. Mm. You know, what if then this? If that then that? And I and that's where my excitement lies. Like I keep saying. It's in the journey. It's not in the destination. Well, it is in the destination as well. But destinations keep changing, right? Correct. I mean, what's good enough? One car, two cars, three cars, which car, how many homes, how many bedrooms? You know, hey, I mean, that is subjective and that keeps changing, I'm saying, Mm. good or bad. Mm. But what what really is important is the living in the now and enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sounding like a philosopher now. No, no, this is this is this is <laughs> basics. We see the, the problem is that we don't talk about this enough. There is not enough awareness. So the people who actually talk about it are pointed towards and said, You're of you're doing all philosophy and preaching. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a fact, yeah. It, it it is a fact. I I have encountered so many, you know, aspiring communicators or aspiring MCs or even students who want to get on stage and then they feel nervous at the start of it just before putting that foot on and saying, you know, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And then they 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 tell me, how do I battle nervousness? And I say, don't battle it. Being nervous means you care enough to do your best. Correct. So that's a great place to be. You know, couldn't like you agree said, more with you. It can go many ways and you're aware, you're cognizant of it. And then you're being in the now and navigating your your way through it. But I love this. I love this drive, Brian, of, of your exploration of the unknown because it's also now taking you to be an author. And uh, hashtag chase that dream is in the works right now. Your new, your your first book, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. First yeah. book. Absolutely. <laughs> Unknown territory. Unknown territory. So yeah. tell, tell me a little bit about that. When When is it coming out? When can we expect it? And what's what's in that chase? So, you know, hashtag chase that dream really stands for, it's just, it's in the message. Mm. You know, don't try to be who you're not. Mm. Don't try to be, don't try to be who your neighbor expects you to be or society expects you to be Mm. Uh, or the fact that you know your parents want you to be so and so or worse still your parents want you to be so and so whom they tried to be and couldn't be Mm. 
you know, my father wanted to be a doctor. And so now he couldn't be a doctor. So he wants me to be a doctor. I mean, how retarded is that? <laughs> so don't be that. Be who right. you want to be after right. examining who you are. Right. Okay. So it's chase that dream. So the book has various thoughts that it mm. propagates or lessons. And it starts with mapping the world and seeing how the world has changed. Like I told you, when I was growing up, uh, funny ways of choosing between art, science and commerce, which I won't go into again. Mm-hmm. It, that's how challenged we were. Uh, and, you know, you had to be one of the prescribed, in, in the prescribed professions to be treated as successful. Right. But things have changed today. The world has opened up. Mm. Um, you could be pretty much who you wish to be. Yeah. But it's about the whole process that you need to follow. And so I've tried to chart out. One is a global view. Then is an Indian view because it's mm. addressed basically to Indians. Mm. Then it's about looking internally and figuring out who you are. Mm. Then it's about being a student of life and for life. Mm. Mm. And it talks about the five or six lessons that I've learned. You know, things that you need to learn from. There are moments in life that I, I spoke about my failing my SSE, right? Yep. And my father shedding a tear. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm going to speak about that in the book. That's a moment that changed my life. It could have destroyed me, right? When I failed one yeah. and two and saw my father shed a tear or, or three. Mm. And uh, But it could have done two things to me. It would have destroyed me. But by the grace of God, what I did was I let it spur me on. That was a life-changing moment for me. So, you know, about treasuring and approaching those moments in life with the right attitude. So I'm examining about four or five life lessons like that. Mm. I don't want to make it sound any more intelligent than it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And then I'm ending with, um, you know, be who you are, not everyone, not what everyone expects you to be. And my last chapter, as of now, mm-hmm. <laughs> my last chapter will be, it's all about the journey, which I just spoke about. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. If you enjoy the journey, truly enjoy the journey, there'll be ups and downs. Hey, right. but if you truly enjoy the journey, that's it. That's happiness. You know, I, I, success is a state of mind. Happiness is a state of mind. Yeah. And success and happiness, you know, while they're perceived as the same thing, sometimes is not. Yeah. yeah it, it, you know, it's, and it's interesting. And Dale Carnegie once said something really interesting. He said, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. You know, I'm going to repeat, <laughs> success is getting what you want. You know, and happiness is wanting what you get. But, you know, Bob Dylan, actually, going back to what yes. you propagated lyrics, yes. he said, you know, a man is a success if he if he gets up in the morning and goes to bed at night and in between does what he enjoys doing and wants to do. Ah. It's simple. Bob it's Dylan was always simple. simple. He yeah. just said it yeah. like it is. He, he yeah. told it like it is. Yeah. Or should I say tell us like it is. <laughs> tell us like it is. Yeah, I mean, so these are people who've said these things. You know, I mean, you know, we tend to like I said, get, uh, hey, someone told me a really interesting thing once. He said, we are here as part of the ecosystem. You and me, Anuj and Brian, are here on, you know, this place we are, you know, as part of an ecosystem. Uh, you know, there is nature, there is food, there is entertainment, there is academics, there is professional life and whatever, whatever. And we have a purpose here. Sometimes. I think I mentioned it earlier. We tend to, for whatever reasons, understandable sometimes, we tend to get obsessed with one or two of these things. Whether it is how far we reach as far as our designations go, uh, we tend to get obsessed with uh, money, we tend to get obsessed with food or whatever else, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever. But what it does it is it upsets our balance. It, it upsets our ecosystem. You know, we are here to give and to take. The idea, like I said, is to give as much as you can. And what you get, you use for sustainability and for further development of what you give. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cyclical. Yeah. yeah, And again, I don't wish to sound overly profound. It's very simple. It's very simple. We complicate life. And I've been trying. I'm not very successful having said that. I'm Mm -hmm. giving all the gyan, but it's uh, easier said than done. I think it was... It was Rabindranath Tagore, I think, if I'm not wrong, who said it is uh, It is so simple to be happy, but so difficult to be simple. Yes. It wasn't <laughs> Rabindranath Tagore. It was 
or maybe it was him i remember this quote very I, very well. i remembered from the movie bavarchi uh, right. starring rajesh khanna that that's where right. i came to it that is right that yeah. is right he uses it in that film yes and it's yeah. so true isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so true wow yeah i mean life is simple man we we complicated anu <laughs> we complicated <laughs> Oh wonderful this is this has been such a such a lovely talk i mean after long you know sitting and talking to you and having this entire conversation it's been it's been wonderful thank you thank you so much brian i do want to ask you uh, what is the <laughs> a one song review of brian tellis so far <laughs> i think it would be imagine yeah yeah i'm i'm someone who you know i continue to rediscover imagine there's no heaven mm i mean you know i i i i do believe that sometimes our folly is we live to prescriptions i don't think we need to live to prescriptions we need to note yeah life around us but we need to live it on our terms and wow. uh, and i think that song john lennon himself actually encapsulates mm. the many sides to john lennon but sure. you know the one side of him that really appeals very very deeply to me as do a few other musicians but i think if i were to choose one song and i'm thinking on the spur of the moment there are a few songs that like i said blowing in the wind you know mm, mm. american pie free feeling mm. billy joel was another great song oh yeah oh yeah who wrote some oh, yeah. beautiful beautiful songs this 9 o'clock on a saturday the ah. regular crowd piano man piano man i mean exactly. that's a beautiful song so yes. i mean you know uh, these are songs that that change people's lives. Mm. And mm. so yeah, I don't know if I can choose one song though I did I did say one name. I I'm normally not the best at choosing your favorite singer or your favorite yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. I know how difficult that I'm is. I'm not but... the best at that, yeah. But <laughs> no, yeah, but, I'm but, to answer with, your question. With so many um you know milestones so many platforms so many different labels or so many different uh, definitions of Brian Tellis uh it it's going to do very it's not going to do justice at all to pick one song to define you <laughs> but uh, you know chase chasing chasing happiness i think is the biggest takeaway that that i'm i'm going to take away from this episode yeah. i really hope you know everyone really understands the essence of of happiness and you know from what's within and look inwards and, and not from the lens of people around and uh, i think you you stand for that you embody that entire thought So thank you so much Brian for coming on to the podcast and good luck with the book I hope to um, you know read it very soon Damn now there's in, now there is added pressure on me Yes <laughs> <laughs> No but I'm quite keen actually this has been a thought that has I'm actually teased about it by a few dear friends Yeah because it's been a thought and then a little bit of word now for a fair while mm-hmm. and I haven't taken it to fruition so I've actually I'm one of those people who who live by a broad time chart and mm, uh, mm. i've given myself i given myself up till 2022 okay to get it out so hopefully you will have a book in front of you with my compliments inside ah. of inside of the end of 2022 brother lovely 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 the, the downside that's the upside the downside is it will probably encapsulate what we've chatted with each other about over the last one hour or there about no no i'd love to read it and then get you back on and then we we'll, you know <laughs> go over all of those stories and uh, <laughs> dandil do that is well. dandil i'm a so, sucker for punishment so you just uh, give me a call i'll be there <laughs> thank you thank you brian this is this has been absolutely wonderful no thank that's so that's much. mutual man that's a mutual sentiment and i'm not saying that lightly you know that anuj i know, I know. uh there's a good vibe so thanks for having me man cheers mate you cheers. take care thank you for listening to ed talk with anuj i hope you enjoyed it New episodes drop every Friday so don't forget to subscribe and follow Ed Talk with Anuj on social media to stay updated I'll see you next week